Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, January 9th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, so we don't have that much to go on. Like, it, it, now is the time of the year that... The, the news is slow, uh, but we have a couple things to talk about. Let's let's talk. Let's first start with some casting. Uh, today we got some casting for Mission Impossible Seven and Mission Impossible Eight. Chris, what did we learn? Uh, Nicholas Holt is the latest person to join uh, the cast of these two films, and uh, word on the street, the street being the internet, is that he is probably playing a villain. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, I could see him as a villain, right? Like, uh, what sure. movies has he been in? He's been in... Um... Uh, he's been in the X-Men movies. He plays the, the younger version of the Beast, which means he grows up to be Kelsey Grammer someday. Um, <laughs> he, he's, he's in a bunch of stuff. He was in The Current War, that movie that was supposed to come out a few years ago and then got buried and then finally came out this year. He, he, he has a pretty okay career oh yeah and he was in tolkien which ben really yes. liked and warm warm bodies oh warm yeah bodies. yeah yeah 
And I think he got a start on the UK series uh, Skins, which I've never seen, but and I've it, heard great things and about it. Was, and he was also the, the titular boy in About a Boy. Oh, yeah. Ah. Look at that. What a career. <laughs> and now he's going to be in Mission Impossible 7 and 8. Yeah. Uh, does it spoil things that we know that he's going to be in both these movies? Like, if he's the villain in 7, now we know that he's not captured or killed. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm very curious how this is going to play out because they're shooting them back to back. And so far, every casting announcement they've made has specified that they're the you know the the new additions are in both movies. So I guess they're going to do like a cliffhanger thing. I'm guessing that's the only thing I can think of. I'm betting you're probably right. I'm betting that we're going to get a gigantic cliffhanger. And yeah. I, I wonder if it's actually going to be a literal cliffhanger. Yes, Tom Cruise will be literally hanging up a cliff, and then we'll have to wait for a full year yeah. to see what happens. That would be brilliant. Okay, yeah. uh, another bit of casting, a movie that we're all anticipating is Matt Reeves' take on The Batman. We had heard some names earlier on, but now Matt Reeves is confirming some of the who those people are playing. Chris, what do we know? Right, so we kind of already knew this. Um, there, you know, there was a word that Colin Farrell was going to play the Penguin in the Batman, and uh, for pretty much every other bit of casting news, right as the casting news breaks, Matt Reeves has been doing this thing where he jumps onto Twitter and he posts like a GIF of the actor in question, and he says who they're playing. And while he's done that for virtually every other cast member, he didn't do that for Colin Farrell when that news broke. So there was some doubt as to whether or not that was true or not. But the other day he finally did the, the Colin Farrell Twitter post. So it looks like it's official. He is playing the penguin. So there you have it. What do you think is behind that? Do you think a deal wasn't signed or maybe it was unclear which character he was going to play? Um, I heard that because there's some set photos going around because they're, they're actually already shooting in the UK and there was like a blurry pic of someone who kind of looks like Colin Farrell. And I think that is what finally made Matt Reeves just announce it. But I, I could be wrong. It's so strange. Okay, uh, let's move on from Castle. And let's talk uh, about another DC Universe film, The Flash. We know Andy Muschietti is supposed to be directing this uh version of the flashpoint storyline this is you know been in the works for a bunch of years now and we finally have a little bit of an update brad what do we know yeah so this movie is in the works uh, apparently it's supposed to start filming sometime later this year uh it is intended to arrive in theaters in the summer of 2022 uh so that production uh you know start lines up with how long it usually takes to make a movie like this and while moderating a Q&A panel for uh, this weekend's release of Underwater with Kristen Stewart, uh, Andy Muschietti apparently uh, said at some point either during the Q&A or maybe sometime afterwards uh, with, with the hashtag show, uh, something about how the Flash movie would be, uh, quote, a different version of Flashpoint than you're expecting. Uh, so we haven't really been sure what the Flash movie was going to entail because uh, originally when the movie was announced back in the summer of 2017 at San Diego Comic-Con, that's where they announced that the movie was going to be called Flashpoint. And fans freaked out because Flashpoint's one of the uh, most popular and biggest story arcs uh, in, for, uh, in the Flash comics. Uh, but obviously the movie has changed hands a few times since then, and it wasn't really clear if that was still going to be the case. But this appears to be confirmation that Flashpoint will be part of uh, the Flash movie, but since he says it'll be a little bit different, I imagine what that means is 
the alternate universe that is at the center of the Flashpoint story arc might be a little bit different than what we saw in the comics. Uh, in the comics, the Flashpoint storyline finds Cyborg becoming the quintessential superhero in place of Superman. Meanwhile, uh, Superman has, has been held captive by the United States government in some kind of underground facility in Metropolis. Uh, Bruce Wayne's father, Thomas Wayne, has become Batman instead of Bruce Wayne, uh, having seen his son and wife murdered in an, in an alley, uh, an alternate version of Batman's origin story. And Wonder Woman and Aquaman have been at odds with each other, uh, essentially at war, which has created some destruction in Western Europe. And if I'm, um, I'm betting that what will likely happen is they'll probably change which characters are in which of those kinds of roles. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like Wonder Woman become the prominent superhero because uh, Cyborg isn't really at the top of the list of favorite <laughs> favorite DC characters, uh, at least when it comes to the, the movie universe that's been established. But Wonder Woman is huge. And so I think that would be an interesting uh, alternative take to make this stand out from all the various other Flashpoint um, ad adaptations there have been because Flashpoint was... Uh, adapted for the CW series, and it, um, it was a, was a big event for that show. There's also been an animated movie that covered it. So the this version has to do something to stand out and give fans something a, a little bit of a surprise. Do you think that we'll ever see the cyborg back in the DC EU again on the big screen, like the version that we you know were introduced to in you know the Zack Snyder films? You know, I don't know. It's I think. A lot of the problem that pe um, people had with Cyborg w wasn't necessarily because of uh, Ray Fisher, who plays him, but just, I think, how he was set up and his um, the fact that he was his rule role was drastically reduced in Justice League. You know, I think that he, he showed some promise in that movie, and there was even talk about uh, Flash and Cyborg being teamed up for the Flash movie, which could still be possible. Um, and so it, it just kind of depends. I, honestly, I feel like... Flashpoint is the perfect way for Warner Brothers to course correct the DC Extended Universe uh, in the easiest way possible. It allows them to establish an alternate universe and maybe continue a story there. It would allow them to introduce different versions of characters, uh, get rid of pieces of the canon that's been established that they don't like. So I, this movie really has a chance to alter the DC Universe and make it something uh, a little bit more uh, satisfying for fans. Flashpoint's such a great storyline, and I'd love to see it on the big screen in this way. I'm, I'm kind of wondering. I, I, I know your take, your take on this is it's just going to be a little bit different than the comics, but I kind of get the idea that this might be downsized a bit. That we, you know, this might be a more of a singular story. You know, might be more of a flash film with without all the cameos from other DC. Uh, universe heroes like could they do flashpoint without all that uh i mean well that's kind of what the flash on on the cw had to do because <laughs> they don't they don't have access to all those superheroes on the big screen and so flashpoint was a little bit more uh centralized around just the flash and uh the characters that the arrowverse has so it's uh i, I would imagine they they would want to utilize those big characters especially with how successful wonder woman wonder woman and aquaman were and, yeah. you know, Henry Cavill has said that he's seemingly not done with Superman yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do something big with this. Yeah. But he also said release the Snyder Cut. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK. Another thing that was revealed by Muschietti, apparently during this conversation with uh, the hashtag show or or whatnot, we can't find the video of this online, but uh, that he has lined up his next project, which is, is a remake of The Howling. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, so I've been trying to run this lead down just because I 
I have a knee jerk reaction whenever the hashtag show has a, has a, a story and they're like, like you said, Peter, there's no real quote online about this. So I was not entirely comfortable. So I, I emailed Netflix. I emailed Andy Muschietti's publicist. And I also contacted Joe Dante who directed the original, the howling. And while I have yet to hear back from uh, Netflix or the publicist, uh, Joe Dante's people got back to me and said it looks legit, but Joe Dante has no involvement in it. So for now, let's just assume it is happening. And uh, and to be fair, Andy, Joe Dante probably wouldn't have involvement. <laughs> like they 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 no, kind of like but, corner him out of these things. Yeah, but you know, just just to be safe. But so um, and this isn't t- entirely unprecedented. So last summer, uh, during Scare Diego, which is the uh, Comic Con uh, horror event, uh, someone asked Andy Muschietti during a Q and A what horror movie he would like to remake and he said the howling so he definitely has an interest in this so now it seems like it really is happening and he's he's apparently making it for netflix so again we don't have 100 percent confirmation for this and, and when we do when and if we do I'll, I'll update appropriately but for now let's assume it's happening okay uh the howling is one of the joe dante films i have not seen so chris tell me about the howling Oh, okay. So The Howling stars Dee Wallace, who, uh, of course, was in E.T., and uh, she plays a a television newswoman. And at the start of the movie, she's uh, being stalked by a serial killer. And uh, so the 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 cops have her undercover to help to try and catch the killer. And she actually meets him in a, a porno theater. And during the event, she sees something that's off camera and she screams and she has this like breakdown and it causes amnesia. And so her her psychiatrist says she needs to get away. So they he sends her to this uh, sort of secluded, secluded mountain resort. And as it turns out, the mountain resort is home to werewolves. And I know that sounds like a very convoluted plot, (laughs) but it makes sense while you're watching it. Okay, so are, would you do we need a remake of The Howling? Um, it's definitely a film that you know could be improved upon. It's not like a fantastic. What, what makes the original so good is um, it has you know practical werewolf effects. So that's sort of my hesitation with this whole thing because if you're gonna remake it, I have a bad feeling they're gonna use like CGI werewolf stuff, which I always hate. Like. Uh, you know, I know we live in a day and age where horror movies use CGI more than practical stuff, but I always feel like werewolf stuff should always be done practically because that's what makes it cool. You know, when you think of like, you know, American Werewolf in London with Rick Baker creating that fantastic transformation scene, like that's that works so well because it's all done practically. When you, when you do that with computers, it's just not as exciting. So if Andy Muschietti wants to do a remake and use practical werewolf effects, I'll I'll be all for it. But if it's going to be, you know, cartoon werewolves running around, I, I don't know how I feel about that. And you're a fan of Muschietti's work. So, like, yeah, you, I, you I, would... I, yeah, I, I like I like it. I, I liked it, too, more than most people, but I didn't love it. So I, I look forward to seeing what he does. OK, let's talk about the Oscars this year. The host of the Oscars is going to be who, Brad? It's me. I'm hosting the Oscars. Oh, wow. That's like a step up. Uh, yeah, you know, I, the Oscars. I wasn't sure, but they they kept asking me, and I was just like, "All right, I'll do it. Uh, it's fine." So, how, how many yeah. comedians had to turn that down before it got to your agent? Oh, I think all of them. <laughs> I bet you they even asked some people who who weren't funny, maybe even some hobos, before they got to me. 
<laughs> so, no, who, who who's really hosting the Oscars? No, uh, actually, nobody is hosting the Oscars. Uh, after the Oscars went hostless last year, following uh, a little bit of controversy with their previously hired host, Kevin Hart, uh, apparently the Academy liked how the ceremony went without a host last year, and so they will be doing the same thing this year. Um, it was... Seems like a, a no-brainer. They don't have to spend money on a name to try and uh, get somebody to host the show. They don't have to, you know, worry about any controversy. They can keep the show going probably uh, tighter since it seemed felt like that way last year. And so, yeah, I think this is the best way to go. As we've seen, you know, sometimes the host can make or break how well the awards go and can make people, you know, feel like the show goes on forever because of that. So, yeah, I, I like this, and I hope more award shows start to follow suit. I really liked last year's Oscars with it being hostless, but it did get like a mixed response from the general public. Like, do you think the general public needs like a name or some recognizable person to, to, you know, latch on to for this, you know, this adventure of the, the year? I think it makes for good entertainment. You know, I mean, as, as annoying it can be when these shows run long, I personally, as a, as you know, a fan of a, a variety of stand-up comics, always enjoy uh, the monologue when they go through it. It can be a little cheesy at times um, and a little long-winded, but it's something that I, I definitely enjoy. But you know, if if they're not going to do it, I'm not going to be upset about it either. There's yeah. there's plenty of other ways for me to experience comedy aside from a forced, you know, window of time where there we should be just talking about the movies instead of cracking jokes. So I'm I, I really don't yeah. care either way. See, I, I like the monologue, the opening bit. Like that that's always fun for me. The thing that that I want to tear my hair out is like when Ellen goes to the movie theater next door with pizza or whatever she's doing. You know I don't know. I don't find <laughs> stuff like that. I think it's kind of fun. <laughs> well, this year, I don't know, we'll see. Because it, they, they do say hostless, but that what that really means is that we're gonna get like fifty hosts, right? <laughs> yeah, just they'll have a bunch of the star studded presenters and they'll probably have some some gags for him to do, get some yucks going. Okay, uh, let's get to our last story, which I think is the most interesting story we have in this doc. Uh, we've been talking about Quibi. This is the new streaming service coming from Jeffrey Katzenberg, who created DreamWorks and it was responsible or was at the head of Disney during the peak of their, you know, the, that whole generation in the '90s that. Uh, generated some of the, you know, the classics. And uh, he is creating this new online service, this streaming service, which is short form content. And I know we've been talking about this on this podcast for over a year now. And when it first came up, uh, we all kind of made fun of it. And since then, they've hired like almost every single great director is on board to produce something. And it seems like every day there's a new quibby tv show announced some of them sound batshit insane <laughs> some of them sound good some of them sound really bad uh but the the newest thing we have learned here is with this service they're going to be creating a new way to watch this this new form of entertainment chris what do we know right it's called uh turnstile and according to Quibi, it's a viewing experience that, quote, allows the user to move at will between full screen landscape and full screen portrait. So, uh, in other words, you can flip your phone back and forth between landscape and portrait, and the image sort of adjusts while you're doing that to make sure you're getting the correct experience. And 
you know, they have the creator's output in all this. It's not like they're just, you know, doing it on their own. So uh, they're actually like creating content to be, ed- I don't want to say edited. That's not the right word, but like, you know, <laughs> it consumed this way. So everyone is sort of like designing these programs to be able to, flip back and forth without losing what the creators intended. Yeah. I I know some people on sets of these things that are, you know, making some of these shows and they are actually framing it for both framings, the, the, the widescreen framing and also the vertical, you know, like the Instagram uh, story kind of uh, vertical framing. Uh, And I'm assuming there's also going to be some interesting things where, you know, when you're looking at it vertically, there might be like a sidebar, like a, I'm trying to come up with an example here, but like there might be like a sidebar, like you have those news shows that tell you like what's coming up, like next in the topics. And then when you flip vertically, that sidebar will be gone and we'll just be on the, you know, the 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 right hand side of it. Um, so they could do interesting things here. Uh, Chris, knowing you as much as I do, I'm assuming you hate this. Uh, I, I, I you know it depends. I. I have a problem with watching stuff on my phone in general. I mean, I don't mind watching short stuff, which I guess is what this is, but the idea of watching like an entire TV show or an entire movie on my phone just always bothers me. Like the smallest I'm willing to go is an iPad. Beyond that, I always feel weird about it. So, well, well I don't... to be fair, I don't think they're making movies. I think like these are like short form, I don't know how long the episodes are, but like like less right. than 10 minutes. Yeah, but the idea is they all add up into one long. It's basically like a thirty-minute show broken up into ten-minute increments. So uh, I I don't know how I feel about it honestly. Yeah, basically Tom Cruise is hanging off a cliff every uh, five minutes. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm a little conflicted here. I'm imbi- I'm kind of ambivalent about this because the filmmakers are planning for this, and they're in honestly, it probably is a creative, interesting thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you are one of these creators that have signed on for this, like, that is an interesting challenge. Like, how do you make an interest in, in both formats? Uh, but at the same time, usually when you, you have something like that, usually, you know, when you're trying to play to multiple different uh, aspect ratios, audiences, what, whatever, usually, you know, the broader you go, the, the worse it is because you're not uh, your creative vision is not focused. Um, I would say so th- that worries me a bit. I I think I would be excited to see. I know that like, um, I know that some of the like online networks have had some programming that have been uh, presented vertically. I have not watched any of those things, uh, but I think I would be more interested if, if like we had like Steven Spielberg, you know, producing something that was just filmed vertically and like see what how that would change the dynamics of the you know the cinematic presentation like how how do you do a jump scare vertically how do you you know usually you know there's rules to how people come into the frame and stuff like that how how does that change when you're presenting it vertically and not horizontally um so i think that would be interesting brad what do you what are your thoughts on this uh new turnstile technology I mean, I'm still unsure about Quibi, you know, to begin with. They're getting ready to produce so much content. We keep hearing about new shows for it all the time. And I'm just not sure it's going to be worth it. And, like, I don't really want anything extra to do while I'm trying to just watch something. I don't want to have to turn the aspect ratio. I don't know if it's going to be, like, a thing where they kind of do it where it's like, oh, turn turn now. And, like, it makes a little bit more of an immersive experience. You know, I, I don't 
I just want to be able to sit and watch a story unfold. And I don't, I honestly don't like the vertical format. I hate seeing vertical video. It's, it's what drives me most crazy about Snapchat and Instagram stories and everything. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I know that there's probably potential here for people who like, you know, are a little bit more forward thinking and can think of interesting ways to use that format of video for some compelling storytelling opportunities. But I, I don't know. I, I, I need to see it to really be convinced. And I think it's going to take a lot to do that. I didn't even think about that, that the, the, the content could tell you to change it during the course of the presentation. It, it, you said on our Slack channel that the vertical video makes you feel claustrophobic. And I, I'm actually wondering, like, maybe that could be used to advantage. Like, maybe you could have something like uh, Buried, where, you know, Ryan Reynolds was, uh, what's that the name of the movie? Buried? Yeah. Where he was, yeah, yeah, he was buried alive in a, a casket. Maybe you could have that happen in a scene, and then you it, it, the, the thing instructs you to turn it vertically. And now you're, like, you know, you're feeling the, cla- the claustrophobia of, like, that vertical presentation. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being optimistic here. <laughs> Uh, I, I just wonder, like, what is going to happen? Like, pe- everybody's not going to want to watch this content on their phones. Like, people are going to want to sit down, sit back and like, relax and watch it on their TV. And, like, if they're planning for things like that, that kind of uh, reward the viewing in a vertical aspect ratio, like... How would that work on a TV? Like, would they just would we get black bars on the left and right side at certain points? Oh yuck! You're making it worse. <laughs> okay, uh, that that is the end of today's slash from daily. You can find more of our all over work slash from the com. You can find this podcast slash from daily published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slash from com. And please rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.